Hello, I'm Tim Robertson, and this is the 200th episode of the MyMac Magazine, MyMac.com podcast. The next generation of radio, it's the MyMac.com podcast. And welcome to the 200th episode of the weekly MyMac podcast. I am uh, Tim Robertson. I own MyMac.com, the publisher. I, I pay the bills. <laughs> that's about as far as, that's about as prestigious as, as the title means, right, Sam Levin? Uh, yeah. It just means you pay the bills. That's that's all it means. Yeah. You're responsible. So, Guy Searle, you're here with us this week. Hello, Guy Searle. Hello, everybody. And David Cohen, all the way from the UK. Hello, hello. So this is kind of a you know kind of a big deal. We have uh, 200 episodes of the weekly show in the can. Of course, if we were naming every single podcast that we released, we'd probably be 220, 225 somewhere in there. But we didn't do that, so this is technically the 200th show. And I thought it would be fun to have kind of a a theme for this week. And the theme is if you were trapped on a desert island. And you can only have three applications on your Macintosh. What would they be? Now, David Cohen, you did something ahead of time for this. I did, yeah. I spoke to a couple of the um, couple of the staff members on my Mac magazine, and uh, we kind of did it as a as kind of like a se- little segment. And we talked a little bit about them and their interest in Mac and computers and some of their other hobbies. And at the same time, we talked about what they might want to while away their time on a desert island with. Well, we're going to get to those segments, and we're also going to, before we even get to those, we're going to discuss our picks here uh, live as we record. And we also have a lot of Mac news that we want to get through, so let's start there. Big news of the week, Apple has an event on Tuesday, and new iPods are released. Sam Levin, you were there. You were sitting in the audience. I was there, and I recorded Jack Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to post a little of his uh, clip. Uh, not today because I just got back because uh, I was at CTIA as well. Anyway, they announced uh, a slew of new iPods. The only thing that really did not change was the shuffle. So um, the, the rest of the line changed. Um, the Classic stayed the same pretty much except they make it 120 now. It's one yeah. Classic, and it's slimmer. Yeah, it's 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 120 gigabytes. There is no more 80. There is no more 160. It's just the 120. Right. Uh, why do you think they went with the 120? They kind of went middle of the road between those two. Why not just drop the lowest one, use the 160, and just lower the price a little bit? Well, Wouldn't that have made more sense. Uh, you know, that's the one. The, the, yeah, exactly what I was thinking, and I, I'm not sure. I'm sure that you know they figure they wanted to make it a big enough divide. Uh, or price point structure, I don't know, uh, or differentiate it. But I'm glad that I've got my 160 because I think it's probably the best iPod that they've ever made because of the price point and the storage. The the iPod Touch was the biggest uh, change um, that they, in my opinion, and now it looks like an iPhone. The form factor is almost identical, but... It's, it's thinner, of course. It's all steel on the back, and it's got speakers built in now. So I think that's about time. Hey, Guy, do you think that the 160-gigabyte iPod is going to go up in price now on eBay? 
I don't think so. Um, you don't think so? I think it will. I think most people, you know, were, were pretty happy with the, with the 80 and the 160, and the ones that are looking for the uh, the classic iPod shape are, they're just going to go ahead and buy the 120. You know, I mean, why why spend, I mean, let's face it, most people can't fill 160 gigs. Oh, I'm talking about, about most that. people. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I was no. I was actually kind of surprised that uh, they did anything with the classic at all. I, I you know once they started talking about the new nanos and and the uh, the storage capacity of those going from you know the high end from eight to sixteen, I almost expected them to just you know kind of put the, the the kibosh on the the classic iPod. Yeah, I I, I it's too popular. They they really can't kill that, and they need something that has a lot of storage because. Let's be honest, that's the only thing that has a lot of storage. And more and more people are buying their content now on iTunes. They need the room. That I think that's the biggest problem with the Nanos and the iPhones and the iPod Touches. And we're not even going to talk about the shuffles. Uh, they just don't have enough room for a whole lot of content. What do you think, David? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a fair point. And I think that's why... I mean, I I'm, I was with Guy, actually. I was kind of expecting the Classic to disappear from the lineup completely. Um, I think I think they've kept the 120 gig because they do, do appreciate there are some people who like to carry everything with them. But, uh, I, I mean, clearly increasingly with the dominance of Flash, they're expecting people to shuffle stuff on and off to the, on and off of their iPod from a, from a Mac or, or a PC rather than carry everything with them. You think they'll cancel the classic, Sam, once Flash memory prices come down low enough and they have large enough space? I don't know. To uh, to be quite honestly, I really don't know. But guys, um, I want to tell you. Let's. I want to tell you about two other things here. One of them is the Nano that they changed. Now it's it's a bigger screen. It's, no, it's not. Well, yeah, it is. No, it's exactly the same size screen as the the little fat Nano. It's just turned on its side. Wait a second. No. Yes, it's, it's, the same it's, it's two inches, and I measured my fat nano uh, after reading the announcement, and mine's exactly two inches diagonal. Yes, it's exactly I, the same screen, it. Sam. I can't it, They just, they, they went, instead of horizontal, or I'm sorry, instead of vertical, they went horizontal with it. I'm looking for my nano now, because I, I, I couldn't even tell. But yeah, I, Everybody assumes that it's longer in a bigger screen because of the size of the device is longer itself. And I can't it, find it. All right, whatever. And, yep. and the Fat Nano looks fat, thus the screen looks smaller. Wow, that is but, awesome. I love that. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. I can't find my Nano, but uh, it's floating around here somewhere. Any event, uh, it's now, yeah, it's now horizontal. It's kind of cool. There's, you know, a bunch of other uh, colors and... You know, now you can flip it so it's got the, what is it called, the accelerometer? Yeah, what is yeah. that? You can shake it to to, to shuffle. switch songs, right? To shuffle. Yeah, to shuffle. I, I, I don't know if I like that or I, I, I'm not sure about that feature. It, it, it's a gimmick. It is a gimmick. I mean, and it's not the first device that's actually done that, but I, I don't know. I, do you think that's cool? Yeah. It probably that's, wouldn't oh, yeah, work I that well they... if you were jogging. Well, no, they say it's 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 not sensitive so if you are jogging, unless you step in a pothole and trip and fall over, uh, it won't shuffle while jogging. I did hear that. Okay. So, I, I, I've I've spoken to several people. Sitting, I mean, certain, not not on the day of the announcement, but since Apple started sending emails out around with the, uh, you know, the the nano chromatic email where they actually show all of the new nanos with the new colors, and you know, for all that. Uh, 
you know, a few of us in the community were kind of saying, oh, well, you know, maybe it's not such a big update. I think Apple have actually hit the ball out of the park with these nanos because everybody who sees them go, wow, those look amazing. You know, that looks like a real improvement. I really want to go and look at those. And I think you saw them in person, David. I've not seen them in person. I've only seen the pictures. I've played around with them. Now, Sam, my understanding is the colors are even more vibrant in person than they are on the web. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But they, guys, they remind me of the iMac, the original iMac. I mean, look at the colors. Now look at the iMac. Now there's a few that the iMac didn't have, but they're like dead on some of the same colors. Go take a look at the red and the other, I mean, the green. Now, so, next, so next year we're going to see the polka dot ones? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I I love, no, no flower power, please. No flower power nano. Now, here's the other thing I wanted to mention. I bet you guys don't know. Do you know that there's something that is missing from the uh, iPhone and nano that you you cannot do, yet you can with the classic? What What is that number one thing that you could do with the classic on your iPod, but you cannot do with the nan- uh, the iPod Touch or iPhone? Uh, control it by hand. Oh. By feel only. Oh, Wait, it's a fu- that's, it's that's a, true too. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun. I'm talking about it's, it's a major function. They they just ripped out. Uh, I would probably say to give, lock it. So if you if you push a button, it doesn't accidentally change the song or something. No, no, I give up. We should make this a contest, really, because it's great. But you guys don't know. You can't do slideshow. Really? Yeah. Go try it. Go try it on an iPhone. People go, oh, yeah, you just hit the music and hit play. <laughs> I'm like, no. Go try to do slideshow in your photos. It doesn't well, you exist. you slideshow, but you can't have music with That's it. That's right. With the classic, you can. Huh. Interesting. I, I was blown away. I'm like, damn it. So you can't, you can't do that. It's kind of a uh, bummer. I've got my iPhone right here. I don't believe you. I'm going to try it soon. Go try it. You can't. Let's see. Uh, I missed a call from Sam Levin. There's only photos. You can hit play, and that's it. No. I'm I'm going to uh, start a song. No, don't start a song. I'm saying the whole slideshow with the songs attached uh, that you used to do with all of your iPods do not exist anymore unless you have a class. I never did it with my iPod, to be honest. I figured with the iPhone, I would just start a song and then go over no, my photo albums. No, and no. you guys know cheating, guy, David. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about, right? Yeah, but I, like, I suppose I suppose nobody ever wants to do it, and that's why they took it out. Uh, yeah, I've never I've never done it on my classic. Oh, Neither it's great! I. It's a great, great, and what it does I don't even is think I have any pictures on my classic. If you create a slideshow on your uh, on i what i i photo it. It remembers it on your iPod, but not true on the iPhone or iPod Touch. Do you think that might have something to do with, again, the the physical size of the media? No, I don't know. I don't know. I was just, I was bummed out. When you're used to something and they take it out, you know, it's kind of a bummer. But, you know, I create iMovies now if I want full-on cool slideshows with, with, with music. Let's move on to, uh, I think, what was even a bigger announcement as far as I'm concerned, and that's iTunes 8. Guy Searle, did you download iTunes 8 yet? Oh, yes, I have. I have iTunes 8 and QuickTime 7.5.5, I think it was. Something like that, yeah. QuickTime yeah. was... Uh, it's funny that it. my software updater said you know there was a new 
version of QuickTime, but it didn't show me the new version of iTunes. I had to go download that from the web, which is kind of strange. That is kind of strange because I got them both. I got them both through uh, software so, update. Yeah. I, well, did you do that today or yesterday? Uh, I did it September 9th. Yeah, that's when I did it too. That's odd. Did it work for you, David Cohen? Yeah, it did. I, my, maybe you were hitting a load balancing issue or something there, or maybe it was mobile me spookiness. But yeah, uh, but yeah, when I hit um, when I hit a software update, they were both there waiting for me. So uh, I stick it on, and uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I, I went say- about ten ten minutes after Steve Jobs got done talking is when I tried. So maybe it was just <laughs> a little too early. Perhaps. <laughs> I, give it to me now. I want it now. I'm not waiting. Give it to me now. Yeah, I was I was at work during all that. I kept hitting refresh on. I don't even remember the site I was at now, just to to see what was going on. Yeah, I think everybody that wasn't there was probably had two or three different websites open, just trying to follow along. In fact, David Cohen and I were talking during the ex, I almost said expo during the event, and uh, I think I had like four or five web browsers open or tabs, yeah. I should say. David Cohen had a couple open. We're going. Hey, did you try this one? This one's updated now. Oh, oh, yeah. let's go see what's next. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, iTunes 8. And let me talk about Genius for a minute. And I th- Personally, I think Apple's starting to use this Genius name a little bit too often. Uh-huh. It's kind of coming across as a little arrogant. But it, they didn't ask me. So um, I was a little dubious about the whole Genius thing of in iTunes. Would it really work well was my question. And uh, I just selected a, a, a song at random. I thought that, you know, I just, I'm just going to pick something that's a little older, um, and see, you know, does this really work? So I picked space age love song from a flock of seagulls. Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> there's no way it's going to do a good job on this, right? I gotta say, in all honesty, it did a fantastic job. I, t- I told it to pick 25 songs and it picked stuff from Howard Jones, Simple Minds, Berlin, uh, a couple, uh, another flock of seagull song, which I didn't even know I had. Uh, Tears for Fears, The Psychedelic Furs, Wayne Chung, Joe Jackson, Depeche Mode, Morrissey, Men at Work, Till Tuesday, In Excess, Talk Talk. I mean, just really good songs that I probably haven't listened to in years. And it put these all together in a, as a compilation. And it. And it I listened to it, and I was like, wow, this is really, really, really good. I mean, it, it's a playlist that I actually saved, because you can save these as separate pay- playlists. And uh, it, it did a fantastic job. Now, I did this two or three times, and every single time, at least for my music anyways, and this is, you know, your, your mileage is going to vary. For every song that I did it to, three, four songs now, was just, it's fantastic playlist. I mean, it's... It's not necessarily a genre thing, but it's it's the the mood and the feel of the song really go well together. It it's does I don't know what a, a lithogram they're they're using for this David Cohen, but man, this thing works great. Yeah, I've I've not had a chance to to really play with that yet, but uh, I have been sort of uh, looking at, at how people are finding it over over on the web, uh, and it seems to be fifty fifty. Some people are saying, "Oh, it's great, you know, it's really good," and then some people are saying, "Oh, it sucks. It can't, none of the songs that came up were any good." Um, so I, I, I which is surprising because it's their music library. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I I think it's one of those things you actually need to, you know, kind of let it mature. Uh, I, and I also that, think a lot of people probably need to weed out a lot of the crap from their 
yeah. iTunes Music Library. Well, now does yeah. it does it include stuff that they haven't purchased from iTunes? No, like this, this, is, this is, you can get this. No, this is your well. That's a separate thing. This part of the genius feature in iTunes is what we're talking about is only creating playlists from your music. Okay, and you have to turn it on manually. Yes, it's not yeah. something that's auto. And when you first turn it on, it takes, I don't know, for me it took about 15 minutes to sync up with the, as Steve Jobs is calling it now, the cloud. Yeah. And once it did that, it was ready to go. And it, and it created this first, like I said, with the Space Age love song from A Flock of Seagulls. And, and the songs were just fabulous that it chose for it. It was just, I was blown away. Now, you can, you can actually set it so it will uh, pull recommendations down from the iTunes store as well, can't you? Now, what that is, is that's kind of like, this, that's the genius sidebar yeah. after you've done this. or And you you don't have to do this to, to see the genius sidebar. It's always there if you want it to be. Basically, what that is, is a recommendation engine. That kind of works something like Pandora, right, Sam? Yeah, kind of. Like that. Last FM, Pandora. Yeah. yeah. Whereas um, I'm listening to, in fact, I'll do it right now. Uh, I... I just clicked on that Space Age love song from A Flock of Seagulls. Uh, I bet half the people out there listening to it's either never heard that song or they want the band. Ooh, I haven't heard of them in a long time. I'm <laughs> gonna have to go download that. Or ever. Um, so you click that and it gives you um, recommendations. Just like say you you went into a record store and say, "Hey, I really like this uh, Flock of Seagulls album. Give me something like that." Well, that's exactly what this does. And it only recommends stuff that's already not in your music library. How could I say that? That's not in your music library already. So for me, uh, it gave me um, top songs you're missing. So it's telling me, here's five songs from a flock of seagulls that's for sale that you could buy right now for 99 cent that you don't have in your music library that I'm assuming that people who do have Space Age Love Song also has these songs. Uh, or it's probably looking at purchase history. People who bought Space Age Love Song also happen to buy all these other songs. But then it gives me recommendations, stuff that's kind of similar. And in this case, it's giving me uh, Echo and the Bunnymen, In Excess, The Fix, Berlin, The Church, uh, just all kinds of stuff. English Beat, ABC, Peter Murphy, stuff that's kind of similar and uh, it's just one click. You just click it to hear a preview, or you click the other button to buy the song right then. Yeah. Hmm. I, it's I pretty think, clever. I think all of these features are, you know, going back to what you were saying before, Tim, about the 120 gig iPods, all of these features and, uh, you know, the new grid view as well are all about making it easier to see inside your library and get the best of your library rather than picking the same sort of 50, 100 songs every time. Uh, and obviously to be able to expand your library by, by buying similar stuff. And I think it's a fairly smart move to try and, uh, you know, they have to tr- keep trying improving iTunes, trying to polish it and make it better, make it easy to use. And, um, you know, I, I, th- I think these are quite, some, quite nice features. I'm certainly a big fan of the new grid view because it, it, it really makes it easy to see your, your whole library in one go. Yeah, unfortunately, well, not, not in one go for me anyways. But the problem with that is if you don't have album artwork, it really looks like crap. Yeah, yeah. you get the, the little... And, and I've got a lot of music that I ripped from my CD collection a number of years ago, and most of that doesn't have album artwork. And so, and, and a lot of those songs aren't even available in iTunes. So yeah. I get the you know the generic look, and it's just and it's all over the place. So how many albums do all of you guys have? I'm just putting up. I just installed the new iTunes, and it tells me albums now. 
Okay, albums. I have. Doesn't say. I think used to say songs. Doesn't it? Can't you get that? Well, you can go. You can go back to now. If you look in the upper right hand corner, right next to the search. Yeah. You can do the uh, list, grid, or cover flow. Okay. So if you go back to your list, it'll show you all your songs and give you a number. How many songs you have? How many albums do you have, Tim? You must have about twenty thousand albums. No, I have three thousand nine hundred eighty-one albums. Oh, albums or songs? Albums. albums. Now, songs, I have 9,241. Now, I, I should say, though, that that is including some uh, e-books. Yeah, uh, yeah. And some stand-up comedy stuff. Yeah, I did, too. But that being said, I've really got into the habit of rating my music. And about once a month, I'll go into iTunes and I'll sort uh, in a list view <clears throat> by, uh, by rating. And if it's two or below, in other words, it's either two or one... I delete them out of my iTunes library now. Wow. So eventually, the only music I'm going to have in my iTunes library is three and above. Huh. I don't, I don't go to that level. Do you guys have as many albums? No, I've got 1,595 songs. Still quite a few. Yeah, I've, prob- I've probably got about 400 albums, something like that. I'm, I haven't actually got my, uh, my main iTunes library available to me right now. But, now, uh, but the problem with this, though, is if it if it doesn't have an album name in it, and some of my stuff does, it's just one song all by itself. Yeah. Yep. And so, I mean, it's not really accurate. I'd really have to go through... The metadata. Yeah, the metadata and, and fix a lot of stuff for, the, for it to be accurate. For instance, right now I'm looking at it, and it says The Greatest Hits 1971, and it says The Eagles, but for some reason it's got a picture of Prince on there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, was it I don't wasn't Prince was. and the Eagles? Oh. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, no, no. That was uh, Jack Black. Sorry, Jack Black. That's right. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it, it's only as good as you as you have set up your metadata to yep. beforehand. Yep. Yeah. Just uh, finishing. It just uh, added album art onto. You know, I do that, and and the weird thing is, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But it only seems to go through about 10% of my music before it gives up the ghost and goes, ah, screw it, go get your own album artwork. <laughs> Let's see, I've got 2,300 artists. Um, pretty neat. How do you do? Oh, yeah, okay. See, it artists? tells you. Yeah, 117 I've got, genres. I've got 2,258 2, artists. What I like is it actually gives you, if you listen to everything from start to finish, how long it's going to take you. For me, it's 29.7 days. <laughs> so I have about a month's worth of music if I listen to it 24-7 before I'd finally run out of listening to music. I've only got about five days. Five days? What? How can you get by with just a paltry sum of music, guy? I don't know. <laughs> so disappointed with myself. Should, no, I turn on, should I turn on Genius? Yeah, absolutely, dude. I think it works. Don't do it right now during the show because it uploads to the... Uh, okay. Cloud. So All right. Wait till we're done. All right. I but hit cancel. I, I I think it absolutely works for me, anyways. Now, like I said earlier, your mileage will vary, but I think this is a really smart move on Apple. And I think David, it goes back to what you're saying because they're really pushing the the iPods and the iPhones that have a much smaller capacity. What Genius will do, it will allow you to create playlists more easily that you're going to like based on whatever song you chose to begin with. And then you just simply sync that to your iPod or iPhone, and you get something new to listen to quite often. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I hope in the future they uh, they extend it to look at video as well. 
Yeah, television shows, movies, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Why not? That, that, it doesn't do that with movies? or I don't think so at the moment. I think it's it's purely based on music. I would imagine that... No, it pro- says mo- it, it, you get the cover flow, you get the album view. Yeah. But, of course, it's just movies. But you can separate it by genre. Right. Uh, for instance, I've got, let's see, in movies, in my iTunes, I've got 399 movies. Well, you'd yeah. think I'd get one more just to round that up. <laughs> yeah, but the genius feature isn't going to analyze those movies and, and try no, and figure out the stuff that, no that's similar. there's no genius for it. Right. Um, but I can separate into genres and um, action, action and adventure, adventure, animation, children's, comedy, crime, documentary, drama, family video, horror, kids and family. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, yeah, what's the difference between family video and kids and family, I wonder? Uh, family video is, uh, I think I might have added that one. Family video is supposed to be our home movies. Right. Okay, you know, so like where kids, kids and family, is kind of you know, Pixar. Shrek would be yeah. kids and family, it's something that I would enjoy, but so would the kids. Whereas children's would be stuff like you know, I don't know, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants that I don't want to watch, but the kids would. <laughs> again, SpongeBob's and awesome. Again. And again. <laughs> now it also works in the podcasting directory, um, but Genius again doesn't. But you can see it by uh, album, basically. It says, by the way, I've got 21 podcasts. Uh, let's see. Categories, 13 categories. Oh, and there's one that says new. So there's 12 podcasts that I haven't listened to in my music library so far. And, the, yeah, the podcast, uh, the, the grid view for podcasts is really nice because uh, it will show you an image of the um, that's kind of the show front for each podcast and then uh, a little badge on which shows how many number of un- unlistened episodes you have. Uh, I like that. Yeah. What's also nice, I don't know if you noticed this, um, before you could set I, the, the podcast directory up to say, okay, I just keep the top five episodes that I haven't listened to or what have you. You can do that with each podcast now. Yeah. So if you wanted to keep only one episode of the MyMac podcast, you can tell iTunes to do that. Whereas, say, you wanted to keep all the Ricky Gervais podcasts that you have ever downloaded, it will do that as well. Yeah. So that's kind of a nice feature. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's it's a strong upgrade, and um, you know, certainly if you haven't if you haven't downloaded it, um, what what's nice about this, and I was really pleased to see this in the past, we've had these iTunes upgrades, and the uh, you know, you need another point release before you get to any sort of stability with it. It can be a little bit uh, crashy, but this has been absolutely rock solid since I downloaded it, and I'm very pleased to see that. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break right here. Uh, first, I want to thank Max Sales for sponsoring this show. Check them out at MaxSales.com. Hard drives, RAM, storage. You name it, storage, especially storage. Oh, yeah. Uh, they've got just a ton of stuff to look over. We usually make a pick, but our show is going to go way over this time, probably closer to two hours. And I apologize for those who listen to it on the way and back from work. You're going to have to listen to it two days on the way back or not. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you guys will listen to the whole show. But if not, we understand it's going to be a really long show. Uh, This guy named David Cohen sent in content that just filled it all up. Oh, him again. Celebrating our podcast, uh, we don't have our original co-host, Chad Perry, who actually started on the fourth episode. Uh, I'm going to play an oldie but a goodie from Chad. So check this out. Attention! All right, you little namby-pamby Mac users. 
Welcome to Boot Camp, where we will show you how to use a real computer. A real computer. Not some easy-to-use, it-just-works, lily-livered white box. You Mac users have had it too good for too long, and you've gone soft. Soft! Well, we aim to change that. Upon my command, you will install Windows XP, and you will not, and I repeat, not install any antivirus software. You will not install any anti-malware software, and you will not, under any circumstance, be allowed to install any anti-spyware software. And you will learn the horrors of computing your window-using brothers in computing use. You will forget how good you had it in the world Macintosh. You will learn what it is like to get an infected computer just by visiting a website. When we are done with boot camp, you will run crying to your mama. Is missed. And we're back, and we have Lee Gibbons joining us. Hello, Lee Gibbons. Hey Tim, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing all right. You know, you know I got how it a, is. I got a little cold today, so my voice is a little different. Oh, it'll make it sound sexier. It really will. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we're gonna jump into our desert island picks in a few minutes, and uh, definitely want to get you in on that, Lee. But first, I want to look back on the history of this MyMac podcast. It started in December of 2004. Podcasting was only a couple months old at that point. Uh, we had been trying to record and get our first podcast posted for a couple of weeks, almost a couple of months before that. But December 29th, 2004 is when we had the first episode. It was a real short one. And unfortunately for anybody who listened to it, it was just me. <laughs> and it was pretty bad. Thankfully, by uh, show number four, Chad Perry became the co-host of the show, and that was in January of 2005. Uh, and I think that's when the show really started coming together. When I had someone that I could talk to rather than just listening to myself talk, uh, that's when the show started getting somewhat popular. <laughs> Up until that point, people were like, oh, this is horrible. Uh, another fun thing was show number nine. That was the first time someone else other than Chad Perry filled in, and that was David Avery. So David Avery was the first fill-in co-host. Uh, and I just dropped something on the floor. Uh, of course, David Avery is no longer really writing for my Mac. He's, uh, working for a, a big company that starts with an A and it's not AOL. <laughs> Probably the, the, one of the shows that I'm most proud of was, uh, my Mac podcast number 42. We recorded it September 2nd, 2005, and we called it the Katrina relief show. Did, did any of you guys listen to that show? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I bought some stuff from that show. Yeah, me too. What'd you guys buy? Well, I should back up before I, we get to that. Uh, what we did is I contacted a lot of uh, software and hardware vendors out there, and we wanted free stuff that we could sell and hopefully make enough money so we can contribute some money for Hurricane Katrina victims. Yeah, that was so, through the American Red Cross. Well, we it? did the American Red Cross and um, uh, what was the other one? American Red Cross. Who's the other big charity? I am just drawing a uh, Salvation Army. Yes. So we ended up raising uh, $4,000, and I gave $2,000 to each of them. I think that's right. I might be off my figures, but it was somewhere around there. Uh, we were just shy of that, and I kicked in the rest out of my own pocket. So, But we basically gave like $4,000 uh, to two charity organizations, and both of those organizations allowed you to specify where you want your donation to go. And, of course, we said Hurricane Katrina victims. And when we did the show, this was still kind of an ongoing thing. You remember how bad Hurricane Katrina got? People on the roof, um, the shots of people dying at the Superdome. Uh, it was just horrible. 
And when we did our podcast, that was all pretty much still going on right then. So it was uh, kind of an emotional show for me looking back on it, and even at the time. So David and Guy, you guys both bought something. What'd you buy? Uh, I had I bought a um, what a Sony from Thought Out. It was a ped stand for the uh, the first generation Shuffle. Yep, I remember that um, one. Which was uh, which was really great actually, and um, that was kind of the first. It was the first time I ever really communicated with uh, with the MyMac podcast. And uh, kind of everything that's happened since then sort of started with that, really. How did you find us? Do you remember? Was it because of that podcast, or uh, I was I actually listened to another podcast uh, called the uh, from the MyMac guys. Yeah, I was in communication with them back then too. Yeah, and um, they said on one of their I mean they they don't podcast anymore, but they said on one of their shows, oh you know make sure you don't confuse us with this other guy we were speaking to with the MyMac podcast and so i figured well if, if i listen to these guys and they they like his then i'll listen to his as well we actually and, did uh, a uh, co-promotion with them once yeah, yeah. well and I, and I i think it was griffin or somebody gave us a whole bunch of fm transmitters for the ipod and they were we had a contest that you basically had to listen to two different shows to get a secret word off each show and then send it in you get one of these free gizmos and they were one of the people that we teamed up with, simply because of the name. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, they. I mean, they. unfortunately, they suffer from a bit of pod fade, and uh, they're not around anymore in the podcasting community. But, uh, but you, I tried to get them back, know? by the way. Yeah, and I remember saying. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I what, guess I guess once you fall out, of, fall out of the habit, it's difficult to come back. Maybe. What did, what did you get, Guy? Uh, I got some software, and I don't know if you remember this, Tim, but I actually ended up buying a uh, a Firewire eight hundred or a Firewire dual drive, and I had forgotten that I had bought it. Vaguely, yeah, I couldn't remember buying it, and then I got a bill, and it was like, "What? What's this for?" It was like, "Oh <laughs> crap, I bought a Firewire enclosure." Did you ever get it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's right here. Oh okay. I was going to say, "Oh wait a minute." <laughs> that was that was from uh, Firewire Depot. Yep, I remember them. Uh, on show number 43, we did, Guy Searle seems to record and keep everything, at least back then. Yeah. And he would do the Dashboard Minute. Now, Guy, that was just you talking for sometimes up to five to ten minutes. I mean, that your segment was quite lengthy. It definitely wasn't a minute. No, no, it never, well, that was kind of the running joke, was it was Dashboard Minute that was never quite a minute. And you had so, a lot of outtakes that you thought would be funny to send to me. Yeah, yeah. I actually I sent you and Chad. Uh, it was a collection of outtakes. Just and it wasn't even really for the show. It was just for you guys to listen to. But it was so and funny. I, rem- I, re- I remember when I when I listened to the show, I could hear you guys cracking up and say, "Yeah, okay. Well, we've got this one other thing that we got from a guy this week, and yeah, and you played it and came out of it. And I think the last bit of it, I was like stuttering or something, and you guys just like went right off on it. It was hilarious. If you guys want to hear that. Um, just go up to MyMac.com at the top of our, our little menu bar, which eventually we're going to have to update. It says podcasts, and that's a listing of every podcast we've ever done. It is listed right there. Go down to show number 43, and you can hear the show with all of Guy's outtakes. It's it's great, Guy. I love that episode, by the way. It, it, it just really made my day listening to that. Uh, another highlight was show number 49. And that was the first time we had Bill Palmer on the show. And, of course, Bill Palmer was on last week's show, and he's gone on to uh, iProng Magazine and, and doing quite well. But back then, Bill was producing his own podcast, or he was getting ready to, 
And, uh, but the first time he was on our show was number 49. The first time we ever had David Cohen on the show wasn't on the MyMac podcast proper show. It was a special edition, which we never counted as a number. And it came out between show 50 and 51. And it was Mac Expo Live in London. Special report by David Cohen. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a lot of fun doing that, actually. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember at the time you, you were saying, you'd, you'd been saying on the podcast, Tim, that you wanted uh, more content. We're encouraging listeners to go out and record stuff and send it in to you. Uh, and as I was going down to the uh, to, to that expo in London, I thought I'd take a recorder and a microphone along with me and, you know, just talk to some people. And that's what I did. And uh, it was it a lot of fun. Great. It was a lot of fun yeah. to listen to for us. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a shame that show's no longer going anymore. They've uh, they've kind of lost interest in the Mac focus with that. Yeah, well, that's have the Paris show now, right? Yeah, they still have the Paris show, but but uh, the the London one has just become kind of like a uh, a photography and and creative professional show. And uh, I think because Apple stopped attending. Yeah, well, without Apple at a, a Mac Expo type of show, it's really not a Mac Expo kind of show. No, it could work on a smaller scale, but. Yeah. Anyways, uh, show number 64 from June, uh, January 2006, we did an interview with Kevin Reeves, and Kevin Reeves is still on the show every single week because he's the person who did our theme music. Uh, our theme music is completely custom. You're not going to hear it anywhere else, and Kevin Reeves is the guy who actually wrote and uh, produced it and sent me a nice wave file, and we've been using it ever since. And that was an interesting show because it came out during the interview with Kevin that he's actually completely blind, and yet he's uh, a, a diehard Mac user. He uses it all the time. He's also a musician. He's produced his albums on the Mac, and I found that very interesting. Didn't you guys? Yeah, yeah. I sure did. Number 70. This is probably uh, our uh, biggest show as far as guests are concerned. February 2006, we had ex-Apple CEO Gil Emilio on. Uh, it's also one of the worst sounding shows because he was on the telephone and I was literally holding my cell phone in front of the microphone. <laughs> 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 but it worked. I mean, you could actually hear him, and, and it and it went over pretty good. I think we talked. And he, to him oh, for, he was a great interview. We talked to him for like a, a half hour or so, and I got him on the show simply because I had gone back and read his book, My Five Hundred Days at Apple, and um, some of it was pretty bitter. You know, he wasn't happy with how things turned out. And, of course, at the time he wrote that book and it was released, this was before the iPod and Apple really made the huge comeback that they did. Um, and so some of his, his comments were way off base. It's like, well, yeah, you you could say that, but you know what? Apple's actually done a lot better under Steve Jobs than anybody else. Um, but we also agreed during that interview that a lot of the corporate shakeup and product shakeup that Gil Emilio started, Steve Jobs simply continued and got credit for, including the iMac. The original iMac didn't start with Steve Jobs. That was a project that was started under Gil Emilio. Right. And uh, Steve Jobs is the person who always gets credit for the popularity of the iPod, or the uh, iMac, but it was really a project started under Gil Emilio. So that was a fun interview. Really liked that one. And then the following week, show number 71, we did an interview with Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay, there's a change. But, you know, and we've said this in the past, and, and David, you can attest to this, we're not real happy with uh, Office 2007. 
or 2008. Uh, 2008. No, yeah. it, uh, it's a product that's kind of lost its way, and uh, it's a shame because 2004 was actually very good. It was. Uh, and, you know, I, I look forward to the next release in the hope that they get things back on track. A personal uh, favorite of mine is show number 76 because that's the first time we got Rick Stringer on the show. Uh, Rick Stringer lives here in Michigan. He was a longtime listener of our show. Maybe he still listens. If you still listen, send me an email, say hi, Rick. Um, but we actually got him on the show, and uh, I became friends with him because of that. It was really cool, and so that's kind of a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, and he's got his own podcast. He does. Um, I'm drawing a blank, and I know what it is. Uh, failed. Uh, variant no, frequencies. Variant yeah. frequencies. I keep wanting to say failed. Variant frequencies. Variant frequencies. Yeah, David podcast. got it. It's a great podcast, by the way. Better than this one. <laughs> <laughs> July th- 23rd, 2006, MyMac Mini Podcast number one was launched. Were you part of the uh, MyMac Mini Podcast at the beginning, David? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I think I was, I think actually. You were part, I'm pretty you, sure that... Let's see. You had a segment. Guy Searle had a segment. And John Nemo had a segment. Nemo. It was uh, Robert Hazelrig. Robert, was Robert Hazelrig on there? Yes, he did product yeah. reviews. Yeah, and me. And, of course, David Cohen. Uh, and then I would do an intro and an outro to the shows. Right. But that started with uh, podcast number, or my Mac, Mac mini podcast. podcast number one, July 23rd, 2006. And on November 11th, 2006, the last my Mac mini podcast number 15. So that that lasted 15 episodes, and then we just kind of rolled everything back into the main show. Guy Searle. Yes. Show 102. Ah. That was the first show that you were a co-host of permanently. Right. You were on show 100 with me from the Apple store. Well, and plus we also had, because you had, you had taken the, the stuff that we had done in my hotel room when I went to Grand Rapids for the 100th show. Right. And it split that up, I think, between three or four of the mini podcasts. Yep. But show 102 was when you became a co-host Regular with Chad and, and me regularly every week. And, uh, I, that was uh, it was great. That was it was for us too because three people really worked well for the podcast. It was a lot better than two. Uh, but up till then, it was just Chad and I sitting in the same room looking at each other talking, and, and his dog, and his dog. And you brought a, a a totally different perspective. You were much more technically savvy than Chad was, um, and you were always up to date on the latest Mac news, where Chad was relying on whatever notes that I happened to create for the week for the show. And then he would just comment on them. He wasn't staying up to date on the show. That being said, he was a very busy guy. So, Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, podcasting from the Apple Store. Guy Stroh, that was you and me. Sick as a, a dog. With a whole, yeah, you were pretty sick. Uh, with a whole table full of swag to give away. From it, was like, it was like over two grand worth of, worth of stuff. Yeah, we had stuff from Microsoft. We had stuff from Otherworld Computing, uh, Blizzard. We had a lot of stuff to give away. And that one kid that won like four times. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> Another first was when David Co- uh, David Cohen became a co-host, and that was show one sixty eight. Yep, straight and, after straight after Matt World. Yep, and uh, doesn't seem that long ago that you actually did, but we're we're recording show two hundred, so you know it has been a while. Yeah, absolutely. Sam Levin first appeared on August. 2006 for show number 93. That was the cool first Cool Mac picks on the My Mac podcast, Sam. Yep. That was a long time ago. I know. I can't believe it. We we just passed. It, had we been paying attention, Sam, we just passed your two-year anniversary. Mm, unbelievable. 
shortly after the Macworld Expo this year, we did an interview with this little company called AOL. Heard of them. Yep. And uh, this product manager guy from AOL came on in February of 22nd, 2008. His name was Lee Givens. Wow, it's been that long? Yeah. Show 172. is. Uh, you've been here for... Uh, you, you're not here every week, but you're here enough that... Um, a I semi- think that's, that's a, yeah, it's a semi-co-host. <laughs> yeah, I try to make it on as much as I can. Absolutely. And semi-coherent. So, well, <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's my gig. Ah. So, that's a little bit of history of the MyMac podcast. We want to stop that part now. We're going to jump into, I think it's going to be fun, Desert Island Mac. Now, David, you have uh, three segments for this that we're going to play. I do, yeah. And they're, it's going to be pretty long. It's like, uh, we've been recording this show now for about 45 minutes. We've got a whole another 45 minutes to go after this next segment of the stuff that you sent in. That's right. Once we got chatting, um, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah. So like we said earlier, it's going to be a long show, but we only have our 200th episode one time. So let's start with Lee Givens. Lee Givens, you get trapped on a... Well, you know what, David? You set it up. What's what's the scenario? Sure. Uh, so, so the idea is is you're trapped on a desert island. You, you, you know, you're like Tom Hanks in Castaway. You you wake up on the beach, having washed up um, on this desert island, and you look around next to you, and there's an Apple box next to you with a MacBook Pro in it. And um, in that scenario, assuming that you had... Um, something to power the MacBook Pro and uh, plenty of time on your hands. Obviously, you're waiting for rescue. What three pieces of software would you like to have with you to while the time away? And you do have internet access, but you can't use that to, you know, send an SOS. No, you, you, don't, you, you don't want to get rescued too quickly. You want to spend some quality time with your Mac. So The, fir- the first uh, thing you obviously do is you change the name of the hard drive of your Mac. You change it to Wilson. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's the first thing that you do. Yeah, that's funny. That's, that's, that was a code name of actually uh, our the last AOL software we came out with. Really, Wilson? Uh, yeah, <laughs> just, that's kind of funny. Uh, was it Wilson or was it Wilson? <laughs> well, it depends on what day it is and how many users are complaining. So. There you go. Yeah. So Lee Givens, that's the scenario. What are the three items on your Macintosh? Well, the the first thing I would have is a Final Cut Pro. Um, I would definitely. Can I bring another hardware item? Sure, why not? Sure, yeah. I'll, I'd bring a, a HD cam, my HD video camera in Final Cut Pro. I could spend hours just recreating scenes of my favorite movies while I'm on the island by myself. <laughs> Actually, you could, you could do that with a built-in iSight camera. Oh, that's true. iSight would make it more gritty. Yeah, and but of course, you know, you'd have to do. Well, no, you'd have to do it with, even with a camcorder. I mean, you're going to have to set it up somewhere. You're, you're not going to be able to do any pan and zooms. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That would be tough. So but yeah. you, you're going to edit video. You're going to be recording video. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the One other thing, I, I don't know. I, I spent a lot of time with uh, uh, one of my favorite old games. Um, it's the Return to Castle Wolfenstein Enemy Territory Edition. Oh, yeah, that was a good old game. I, I still love that game. We, <clears throat> we, we play that a lot when... Uh, it was one of those uh, after-work things. Uh, me and a few of the uh, engineers would get together and play after work. But uh, I still love that game. What is it about the game that you like so much? I, I, I like how... I, I remember back to the old days of playing Marathon. Yep. It, it feels like Marathon for me. And, you know, back when Bungie was a, a really good Mac company. Yeah, uh, imagine that. Yeah, so... Well, you know, Halo was originally going to be a Mac game. I know. I, w- I sat at that keynote speech, and I remember seeing uh, Bungie up there saying, you know, they, fir- they made it first on the Mac, and then, then a couple months later, we got bought by Microsoft. I was like, oh, yeah. well. 
<laughs> so much for the Mac. Actually, Halo did come out for the Mac eventually. eventually. Yeah. By the time it came out, I was like, hey, I'm not buying it. <laughs> you and most people. Okay, so you got a game. You've got uh, video editing software. Yeah, so we can't really communicate with people, I guess, huh? Well, <laughs> so- it's a one-way communication. You can browse the net. And uh, you can get you know stuff downloaded to you, but you can't send anything up. Yeah, because I, I was thinking I would I'd, I'd, I'd have uh, instant messenger or something so I could plug some of my products. But uh, um, hmm. Well, what about AOL Radio? Well, AOL Radio, AOL down. Radio. Yeah, probably that's the only way I actually keep up with uh, music. Uh, I, I tend to get in these weird. Uh, sort of loops where I listen to my own music all the time, and I don't get uh, uh, you know like uh, exposed to new music. So AOL Radio be- is is my only key to the new music scene, I guess. Hmm. Good picks. Cool. David Cohen, you're next. Okay. Well, my first one will be uh, Net Newswire, which is a, an RSS feed reader, um, and this is something that I don't. I've got plenty of Macs, but any Mac I have has to have Net Newswire on. Um, it syncs up with the NewsGator service, so um, you know wherever you're up to with your feed reading uh, and whichever feed subscriptions you have is always the same on all your Macs. Um, and uh, yeah, I just use it all the time. Got it on my iPhone as well, and, um, and it's it probably knows my. What you've already read. Or... Yeah, yeah. Basically, it syncs that up all the time, so it's always it always knows where you're up to, um, which I really appreciate. And that's a, um, that's a free program now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Completely free. Just need a NewsGator account, which doesn't cost anything either. Uh, and um, I, I basically, it's, it's the application I probably use the most on all my Macs, so I would have to have that with me. Um, second one would probably be, uh, bearing in mind we're on a desert island, so I've got plenty of time, would probably be the Xcode Developer Kit from Apple. Ah, you're going to learn how to program. Learn how to program. If I've got all that time, um, oh, I would really... Yeah, I'd really like to uh, sit down and, and, and you know, again, Xcode's free. And you, you it's realize abs- everybody else sitting here just went, oh, damn it, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be, to be fair, I've had some time to think about it because I've been recording the other segments. Uh, so I've had a, had a bit of time to think about what I would choose. But, yeah, uh, Xcode's free. It's a fantastic development environment. And, uh, you know, you can really create uh, applications that just look like something Apple created if you've got the time and the talent. And... Uh, I certainly would have the time on the on the desert island, yeah, and hopefully I'd find the talent from somewhere. <laughs> uh, I used to program a little bit, so uh, so maybe I'd get by. I don't know. And you uh, Aaron's book too, right? Aaron Hillegas's <laughs> book on cocoa programming. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd pro- probably uh, probably uh, try and download download that through my NetNewsWire connection. <laughs> um, and the final thing is uh, a bit of downtime between the coding uh, would be a game. And uh, I, I love computer games, but I have so little time to play them nowadays. Um, so this would be something that I really could get my teeth into. Uh, and there would be something that I've, I've played a little bit, never really had time to, to you know, really figure it out properly. And that would be Homeworld 2, ah. which is a, an absolutely amazing 3D strategy war game. Um, that uh, you know puts you in the position of trying to save a mothership of of a whole a whole um, a whole planet's worth of people, uh, and you can build all all different types of craft uh, with different capabilities and build up a massive fleet and try and fuck excuse me try and fight your way through to uh, to your homeworld and and it really is an amazing game to play. I mean, it's got really cool music and it it looks really good and the interface is really good, but it's it's really hard, yeah. and uh, so uh, yeah, we'll suck on the desert island. Hopefully, I would I would finally have the time to uh, get my strategy sorted and figure out how to beat it. Now we got to also say that 
we're assuming that iTunes is already on this computer. Yeah, right? I think every, everything yeah. that, that would come with a, with a new Mac. So you would get the uh, iLife suite on the new Mac, wouldn't you? So that would be there. Yep. Okay. Okay, Sam Levin, you're up. What is on your hard drive on this desert island? Uh, you know... <laughs> Porn! Well, huh? <laughs> Porn! Well, no. Well, you said... No, it's... Okay, well, it's kind of close, but... This the, the is Mac not is sexy, on, but, you know... This is not on... You could consider it offline. Well, no, it's whatever. Okay, I'll... I'll I... <laughs> Playboy's podcast. <laughs> That's my pick. I don't know if you know what podcast, but check out podcast. I'm going to take Those your are word the for best. it. I used to subscribe. I unsubscribed. It's free, by the way. Uh, <laughs> if you check out playboy.com slash podcasts, you'll see what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, there's one. Any uh, others? Uh, it's uh, yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't really need, need another. another. <laughs> that, <laughs> that takes care of a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Big back um, tissue. The other maybe. one that I would uh, put on is Dopey Karaoke. So check out Dopey, D-O-P-I, D-O-P-I, karaoke.com. And you can use it on your Mac or with an iPod. Huh. And the cool thing is it's full-on MPEG-4 videos. That are awesome. So, I mean, it's fun. So, you want to sing along? You want to stick a mic on? You could do that. Well, so it's... far you've got two things that you could kind of do at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, oh, uh, <laughs> those are the only two things that I pick because those two things come out to about a hundred different things. <laughs> and uh, I swear, it's it's a lot of fun, those things. I mean, Lots I of use, yeah, uh, right. I don't use podcasts anymore. I, you know, I just don't need it. So, Guy Searle, you're on the desert yeah. island. What's on your Mac? Uh, first thing I would want on my Mac would be XTorrent, which is oh. the very excellent torrenting uh, bit of software. Uh-huh. Uh, I would, you know, we, we, I was going to say iLife, but we already have iLife. Yep. Uh, for an extra piece of hardware, I would like a Fender Telecaster. Mm. To finally, I would finally have time to learn how to play guitar. Mm, that's something that I'd like to do myself. I would also like to have, through boot camp, Windows XP. And the reason for that is I choose, as my last bit of software, access to Valve's Steam Ooh, App Life One and good. Two, Port and Portal. Ooh, that that's a good pick there. Yeah, with yeah. Steam you can get all kinds of games. Oh yeah. Hopefully that your PayPal account's full by the time you left the, for the Desert Island, though, because otherwise you're <laughs> you can't buy the stuff. Well, they have you know um, if if you already have, well, I guess you'd have to have the games already preloaded, I guess. Uh, no, well, yeah, because you'd have to buy them otherwise on Steam and it downloads. Yeah, that's a good pick yeah. though. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, last is me. Obviously, I've got iTunes, so I've got access to all my music somehow. It's I just assume that my music is on there. <laughs> but it, even if that's not on there or my, or my movies, I can still subscribe to a lot of podcasts with iTunes. So I'm going to be taken care of as far as uh, media and stuff like that. I'm going to have stuff to listen to. A lot of podcasts are video now, including stuff from CNN. So I'm going to be able to keep up on top of what's going on in the world. That's going to be kind of nice. 
but that's already, you know, on the computer. So the stuff that I picked, the first thing is StarCraft. Ooh. Um, mm. I, I've been playing StarCraft before StarCraft came out. I got a copy of StarCraft, thanks to Blizzard, um, a year before StarCraft came out on the Macintosh. And that was because they sent me a preview beta copy of it so I can do some first look articles and get people excited. And at the time that I did that, I had people offering me hundreds of dollars for it because you couldn't get it yet. And everybody on the Mac platform was dying to buy StarCraft. And I was enjoying it a good year before everybody else. And by the time it actually launched, everyone still kicked my butt online on it. So, you know. <laughs> But no, StarCraft, I, I love StarCraft. I still think that's a great game. I'm dying for StarCraft 2. Well, is that OSX ready? StarCraft? Yes, it is. Yep, they've kept it up to date, including the expansion packs. So, yep. And in fact, uh, I don't know if StarCraft's on there, but I believe it is. You can actually buy StarCraft and WarCraft on Blizzard's site now and download it onto your computer. So you don't have to go buy a disc anymore. Oh, I hate that kind of... Oh, I did too. Uh, the next thing that I would have is XTorrent. <laughs> Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, and, and, the, and the only thing that I really want XTorrent for, I'm not, so I'm not worried about bootlegging uh, music or movies, although yeah, I could. Um, there's something else on XTorrent that I would use, and that goes along with my last pick, and it's called Comic Book Lover. Comic Book Lover is kind of an iTunes for comic books. If you can find comic books online... They come with their own, uh, it's called a CB, CBC, CBG. I forget what it's called offhand. CBG. CBG. Is that right? I think so. Uh, C, no, CBR. Yeah. CBR yeah. format, which is basically like a bunch of JPEGs together. But what Comic Book Lover will do is it will, uh, if you click one, it, it you turn the page just like in a comic book. But it also lays out all your comic books just like iTunes, so you can look at a grid you can look at you know the covers. You can sort it by when you imported the data. You can by alphabetical order, so all the Avengers would be together, and that would give me some good reading material for a long time. So those are my three: Comic Book Lover, X Torrent, and Starcraft. It's all about the entertainment for me. I figured with you know um, I was thinking about well I'd probably want to write a lot when I was out there, but text edits on the computer, so I don't need to waste a pick on something like that. Um, Microsoft Office 2008. Yeah, I thought about, well, I'd like to do some movies and stuff, but then I thought, well, uh, at, at the very least, iMovie's on there, and I have a built-in yeah. iSight camera, uh, so I can do podcasting that way if I wanted to. I, nobody would hear it, but I could do it. <laughs> You'd have to learn to overcome your loathing of iMovie 08, Tim. I know, because I probably couldn't download the iMovie HD, which is what I still use, because it's still a superior product to the iMovie 08 piece of crap. Uh, so those are my picks. Yeah, and that's all of the picks from the guys here on today's panel. And David Cohen, who do we got coming up on this next segment? Well, we got John Nemirovsky, uh, and then we have Rich Lefko, and then finally Neil Monks. So we're going to play those three segments, and that's going to wrap up this week's show. Uh, we'll be back next week with show 201. Uh, as we go into you know these, these uh, segments that David sent us, I'm going to play a song. Now, this is explicit, so if you don't want to hear explicit, fast forward about three minutes and, and you won't have to hear it. But it's called On a Podcast, and I thought that would be appropriate for our 200th episode.
Welcome to Desert Island Mac, a feature where I ask some guests to consider what they would do to pass the time if they were cast away on a desert island with nothing but a Macintosh for company. We have some simple ground rules. Effectively, they imagine that they're washed up on a desert island with a MacBook Pro, and they get their choice of three applications and one luxury or accessory to support the Mac. And the idea is, is that these applications will keep them sane while they're awaiting for rescue. Obviously, we have to assume that they can get some sort of internet access and that the MacBook Pro will have enough power during their wait. Our guests are invited to tell us particularly why they've chosen their applications and luxuries, and I hope that during the process of that discussion, you, the listener, will discover a little bit more about some of the writers at the MyMac Magazine website. 
Hello, and I'm here with my castaway, John Nemirovsky from the MyMac Magazine website. Hiya, John. Hi, great to be here, David. Thanks for inviting me. That's all right. My pleasure. How are you today? Wonderful. It's a kind of a hot, sweaty day here in southern Arizona, and the office where I'm sitting has what's called an evaporative cooler. So if, if it was on, it's also called a swamp cooler. If it was running right now, that would be all you'd hear instead of me. So I'm, right. sitting, I'm sitting here dripping with sweat, but very enthused because that's the, pretty much the weather that we're going to have on our desert island, I understand. Absolutely. So you're really getting into the mood by, uh, by doing a me- bit of method acting. I like the sound of that. Okay. So, so John, how long, have you been, uh, how long have you been into computers? Well, I started at work when I had a regular job many years ago learning how to use a Windows system and trying to avoid DOS. But it really got interesting for me when my brother-in-law, Jim Dicker, who we know from the video at at the Macworld Expo, he got one of the uh, early Macintoshes with the color screen and the color printer. And so I used to visit him, and he was the one who got me started on that. That was at some point in in the early 90s probably. Excellent, excellent. So uh, okay, that's that. That sounds really good. So you know, you're a you're a, a pretty seasoned computer user, which is good for our little thought experiment here about about how you might pass time with a computer on your on your castaway desert island. So what's your first selection? What's the first application you'd like to have with you to uh, while the time away? Well, the first one is something called Super Duper, which is quite ironic, and Super Duper comes from. It's it's shareware, but it's actually from from a company, and I'll think of the name of the company in a moment. Uh, but, yeah, uh, no, uh, no, I can't remember it off the top of my head either. It's okay, you you can look it up while I'm well, talking. Well, but yeah. it's, a, it's both a free and a paid application, and what it allows you to do is to duplicate your disks. Now, why would I want to duplicate stuff if I was on a desert island? Because I wouldn't want to get caught in a in a tsunami or a tornado or a hurricane or some sort of snowstorm or something, and I wouldn't want to lose my precious hard drive data. Many of you know I'm a very serious nutcase about backing up and archiving data, and if I had SuperDuper from Shirt Pocket Software, if I had SuperDuper from Shirt Pocket Software, then I know my computer would be good for as long as I was around and kicking on my desert island. A couple of things about the pricing of SuperDuper. There's a free trial version that you can use that's fully featured that works pretty much forever. But if you want to run the sequential backups and the timed backups and basically scheduled backing up, then you need to pay a little bit of money to get the pay version. But it's a great product, a great company, excellent tech support, and I have never crashes. I just love Love super duper from shirt pocket software. So, so I mean, there's a lot of backup choices out there. So, why super duper over, say, Apple Backup or um, Carbon Copy Cloner is another one that a lot, lot of people use. What, what is it about super duper you really like? It's lean, it's clean. The code is very, very neat. You run it, you set it, you forget it. You come back in an hour or two. It, the duplication is done. You can boot off that dupe. You can set up a new computer. It's just best of class. It's never let me down. I've been using it for many, many years. All my clients, all my students, all my friends use it. I've never heard one complaint, not one grumble about it ever. It's absolutely flawless from my experience. 
fair enough. Well, if you want something absolutely reliable, on the, I guess on a, a desert island is, is the kind of place you're going to want that sort of reliability. So uh, I like the sound of that. So that's super duper from Shirt Pocket. We'll, we'll make sure with all of these uh, segments that, that we've got show notes accompanying there. So, so people got a link to click on if they want to go and find out for these applications. So John, you were telling us that you were, you know, you've been into, uh, into Mac since the early nineties, but how long have you been with my Mac? Well, over 10 years now, I was originally with an online publication called MacSense, M-A-C-S-E-N-S-E, that was operated by Chris McVeigh from Canada. And it was a very robust online publication with a uh, monthly download. And MacSense gave up the ghost, and I was snooping around for another place to write my pithy prose. And a writer named Mike Wallinga, who was involved with Tim in the earlier years of my Mac. He was also a correspondent with me as far as my writing at Mac Sense. So he suggested I get in touch with Tim. And before I knew it, I was a published writer at my Mac, whatever it was called. I don't know if it was my Mac magazine at that point, the monthly yeah. magazine. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And, um, you know, have you any idea how much you've written over the years for my Mac? Well, if you look at my archives page at mymac.com slash Nemo, N-E-M-O, you need a very tall ladder to climb up to the top <laughs> or a set of very deep boots to climb down to the basement. Have a look at mymac.com slash Nemo, and you can read some of my articles going back to before King Tut was born. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're not going back quite that far, but uh, it certainly is an impressive list. So out of that list of all those things you've looked at and talked about over the years, have you got another pick for us? There's a young developer who's a student at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. His name is Whitney Young, and he has an application, a ut- another utility, that gets the award for the best name. It's spelled S-E-N-U-T-I. And if you were looking in the mirror while I was spelling that, you would see it's iTunes spelled backwards. I pronounce uh... it. Sorry, I, I was going to say, I've heard of Sanuti before, but I never figured out that that's what it is. iTunes oh backwards. Okay, well, it takes you a while in the UK to catch on to uh, stuff like that, like mirrors <laughs> and spelling backwards. But uh, Sanuti, or however you want to spell it, pronounce it, is pretty much exactly the same thing as Super Duper. Because if I could sneak an iPod or two and a couple of USB cables into my pocket on this desert island, I could then back up and alter my iPod by going around the inability to directly take the data from the iPod back onto the computer. It's easy to get the data from the computer to the iPod. It's not so easy. As a matter of fact, it's impossible without some very, very sneaky but legal software to get the data off the iPod back onto an external drive or onto your back onto your original hard disk. So Sanuti does that flawlessly it's a beta that's in a very very long term but sanuti works again it doesn't crash and i must have done hundreds and hundreds of sanuti archives and backups just like i've done with super duper now the developer's name is whitney young the name of his website is fattengrid and i'm not going to try to spell that so just go to versiontracker.com v-e-r-s-i-o-n-t-r-a-c-k-e-r go to versiontracker.com and look for S-E-N-U-T-I, and you can learn all about this. This is freeware, but he's such a terrific developer. Please make a contribution to help him 
uh, continue to develop for the Mac platform. That's Whitney Young with Sanuti and Shirt Pocket Software with Super Duper. Two Grand Slam home runs. Excellent, excellent. Really, uh, really nice bit of software. And, uh, and, you know, certainly solves a, it's always nice, I think, when, when somebody writes a piece of software to solve a problem that, that Apple just either won't or hasn't got around to solving. So, uh, yeah, that, that's really, really good. So, um, John, we've got a, uh, it was announced just yesterday that there's going to be an Apple event next Tuesday. Um, so, um, what do you think is going to be coming out for that? I think they're going to be announcing new small iPods and they're either going to do something with the iTouch as it's called or something with the Nano. The classic as we know it may be around for a while, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some upgrades to either or both the iPod Touch or the iPod Nano. And so far I'm absolutely a thousand percent of my predictions being wrong. So you can make sure that the mere fact that I predict those two things, you can guarantee that neither of those will be the case. But I am still on record as saying that there will be an iPhone Nano released sometime between now and the end of the year, and it will not be linked to AT&T. It will be agnostic as far as its carriers are concerned, at least in the United States, and it will be much smaller. It will be sort of like the size of the iPhone current iPod Nano, but it will be an iPhone Nano. So if you haven't heard that before, you've heard it first here. I have no idea if that's going to be announced tomorrow, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised either, especially since I'm going to be wrong, so I might as well go wild. With my <laughs> Absolutely, prediction. yeah, push, push yourself out there. Well, by the time this actually airs on show 200, um, the event will have been and gone, so everyone will be able to judge you on your record and decide whether they want to send you to that desert island on the basis of your predictions, John. I don't think we'll have any uh, disagreement on that. At that <laughs> so, so if you are, if you're going to be on the island anyway, you might as well uh, give us your third selection and also talk about your your luxury, your accessory item for your Mac. Uh, well, it was a point. tough choice because obviously I'd like to take my Casio digital camera, my Exilum EX50Z that I've been using for many years for all those tutorials and photographs that I've been posting at my Mac online. I was thinking about that. And, of course, if I had that, I could use software like Photomagico, F-O-T-O-M-A-G-I-C-O, from yeah. Boink's software, developed by the very talented Peter Baumgartner in Germany. Or I could also use Photoshop Elements, which is now in version 6, from the fantastic people at Adobe. I could also use Toast, because that would allow me to burn, burn a series of disks, but I can probably do that fairly well using the Apple software. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring my guitar, and I, so that way I can keep myself amused pretty much in perpetuity. I may need to sneak a few extra sets of strings into the hole in the guitar All right. so that the rust doesn't wreck those strings if I'm there for more than a few decades. So I'm going to bring yet another fantastic utility, this one from our wonderful friends at Rogue Amoeba Software. It's called Audio Hijack Pro, and it's the software we're using right now to record this conversation. It's the software that Tim uses every week to record the podcast. It's a software that I used to do all of my Nemo segments over the years and many, many other recordings. Again, it's very inexpensive utility. You must buy it. They're, the free version, yeah. does, it's just a trial version. So you must pay for it, but it's, it's one of the best bargains of all time. Audio Hijack Pro from Rogue Amoeba Software. And I can record myself singing and playing the guitar 
and no one can yell at me that it's too loud, I'm out of tune, or they're sick of hearing songs by Buddy Holly and the Crickets. <laughs> so that's that's a very nice uh, compliment, complimentary pair of uh, you know, software picking and and, uh, and a piece of hardware there. And of course, you know, the advantage with having the Mac is that uh, you know, together with Audio Hijack Pro, you can. Uh, load all your tracks up into GarageBand, and uh, you could you could record something, uh, you know, very uh, a nice quality album, which would uh, would sell in the millions when your story was uh, heard after you recovered from the island. So that would well, work I could really take well. Some, I could take some of the coconuts and split them at different places, so I can create like a multi multi tonal rhythm section that I can record on separate tracks. That's a good idea. Thank you Fun. very much. Fantastic. Yeah, sounds like a winner. Well, John, I have to say thank you very much. It's been really interesting talking to you and hearing about how you'd while away that time on the desert island. I have this uh, this vision of you dressed in coconuts now, sat under a palm, palm tree, uh, strumming your guitar with a Mac in front of you, and uh, that's something that's going to stay with me for some time. How long has the Desert Island Disc program been running in the UK? Uh, well, I think it's at least 40 years. Uh, so I hope that, I hope the BBC will, uh, indulge me in, in ripping off their format for the purposes of our 200 podcast. I promise not to do it on a regular basis. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been going for a very long time and, um, it's a very good, very good way of, of finding out what people like and what they don't like. Uh, and also, you know, getting a chance to talk to them. So, uh, first broadcast in January 1942. So and I was a, listening. I was listening to it thirty years later in the mid seventies when I was in England. So obviously we span the decades with our concept here and with our personnel. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Sean. Good to speak to you. Appreciate it, David. Talk to you soon. So I'm here again with a new castaway, and uh, this time I've got Neil Monks, uh, one of our writers at uh, at mymac.com. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Neil? I'm doing very well, David. Thank you for asking. That's okay. Now, it, it's a pleasure doing this, Neil, because normally when I'm uh, recording our colleagues, it's, I'm going across the Atlantic. But you are uh, you're also, as people can probably tell from your accent, here, uh, based here in the UK. So where are you located? Um, I, a town called Berkhamsted, which is, uh, 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 what, 20 or 30 miles northwest of London. Right, okay. So is that kind of the, what, what people call the home counties? It's definitely what people would call the home count. It's sort of rural on the outside, but basically lots and lots of commuters on the inside. And are you one of those commuters, or do you uh, do you have the uh, the pleasure of working from home? I would get I get to work from home most of the time. Brilliant. Um, and it's lovely. Yeah, I get to write and spend all of my day sat in front of a Macintosh, unless I'm teaching, in which <laughs> case I do have to trek into London. <laughs> excellent, excellent. How long and, and how long have you been a Mac user? Since about 1991, right? Um, I got started on. I suppose there would be color classics, perhaps LCs, things like that. Right. Okay. Very old machines. Uh, so, so you've really seen the the whole gamut of uh, of Apple sort of development right from the early days of uh, of the uh, of the older operating system right up to to the to the present day, the Intel Max and OS ten. So, uh, I mean, how, how do you, do you have a have a wistful thought for the old days, or are you much happier using uh, machines as they are now? Um, yes and no. I mean, even back in the early nineties when I was starting, I, I didn't come to the Mac. Really, on the basis of uh, being an artist or, or being sort of group for whom the Mac was targeted, it was simply that the 
the PCs that we had, which at that time were was DOS, MS-DOS, yeah. um, I found printing a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And as a student, you have a lot of things to print off. Yeah. So if I was given the choice between using the labs that had Macs in them and the labs that had uh, MS-DOS PCs, um, I very quickly learned I much preferred a Mac. Um, and, and really, I'm very much of the attitude that providing the computer empowers the person to do what they want to do. I, I don't really think the operating system matters that much. Um, but with that said, I think the Mac operating system is the operating system that does indeed empower people to do the most with whatever skills they have. Well, absolutely. I mean, I was a student myself uh, around the same period. I, I graduated uh, um, 1992, and um, I wrote my my final thesis on a, on a DOS PC, which mm-hmm. obviously was a you know a massive step up from what people had been doing just a few years before, where they'd had to yeah. type everything. But even so, I mean, the fact that at the time, unbeknownst to me, because I was uh, I was fairly wet behind the ears from computing terms uh, at that time. But you know, unbeknownst to me, people were actually doing you know what you see is what you get uh, page layout on, yes. on Macintoshes at the same time, um, with uh, admittedly much more expensive machines. But nevertheless, being able to do that, um, you know, it really really does sort of demonstrate the difference between uh, uh, the the Mac platform and its and its approach because it's been able to do that from day one. Uh, absolutely. If I, I, I could try, I, I think perhaps I'm going to sound horribly geeky when I when I describe this. But during sort of mid 80s, when I was a, a teenage boy, we were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, this is, you know, before people had computers to do all of these things. So we were we would try to draw up character sheets. Yeah. And my parents had a, a PC called an Amstrad, which you'll probably be familiar with being British. But yeah. the Americans probably will have no idea what we're talking about. No. Um, and it was creating anything with a sort of with tables and charts and, and boxes to fill in numbers and what have you, which is what I was trying to do, was horrible. Absolutely, yes. We'd be using carriage returns and tabs and spaces to line up slash characters to make boxes. It was just horrid. It, I, I always used to think that sort of thing was kind of like trying to uh, to draw on square paper, but with both your hands tied behind your back and using your mouth and a pencil. Oh, absolutely! You know, because yes. it was that was it was it was literally as hiss as miss hiss as miss as that. It was just just ghastly, um, and uh, as it as it happened, uh, a, 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 a few years ago, I uh, was off helping a friend take some stuff, you know, just junk from the house to a, uh, a recycling depot. Right. And I, I found sitting by itself in a box by the side of one of the skips, uh, um, a Mac, I guess it would be, is it a Mac Plus? Yeah, I think it is a Mac Plus. Um, with all the manuals and a printer and the keyboard and mouse and even an external hard drive. So I took this home and I've given it, uh, you know, the, a clean through and working. And to actually play with this thing, which is circa 1985, 86 or whatever it is, um, running system six, and you see that the things that were nightmarish even six or seven years later on a Windows machine were a piece of cake yeah. on the Macintosh. That's fantastic. Well, it really is. Yeah. And you look at you look at even these old Macs, and 
you can see the family connection even through to uh, System 10. That's right. So, I, I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, as, as you've demonstrated, you are, uh, you are a, a Mac user of some experience. So I'm, I'm hoping your, uh, your software picks for your uh, castaway experience will, be, uh, will reflect some of that experience. So how about you talk about your first one? And we have we have a word processor already on there. We do, yeah. So you've got well, you've got um, you've got a text editor, so um, that's built in. But if you want something more functional, um, then by all means, uh, tell me what you'd like, and we'll 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 make sure it's provided. Well, this is a little bit of wishful thinking, I I I think, but an Intel native version of Claris works. Okay, would definitely be very high up on my list of wants. Right. Um, I have a love affair with Claris Works and Apple Works as it became later on. Okay. Um, and it's a program I still use from time to time because there are some things you can do in it you can't do in anything else. But failing that, um, I suppose iWork 2008 is a, is, a, is a suite of applications, or a, if we can call it that, that is yeah. lovely. Yeah. Very difficult to live without. I, I'd agree with you. I think uh, iWork offers, you know, fantastic value compared to the Office suite. Um, and, um, you know, really, again, you were talking about Apple taking a different approach in terms of how they deliver their software with even, you know, even back in the early days of the Mac. And I, I think the iWork suite really kind of sums that up because, you know, the, the, the pages, for instance, is a word processor that isn't, it, not only is it a word processor, it's a very good page layout program and it, it yeah. really knocks word into a cocked hat. If you've ever spent time trying to do, you know, supposedly straightforward things like headers and footers and trying to avoid uh, extra blank pages and stuff like that, then you realize, um, how, how advanced Pages is compared to Word in, in doing simple things like that? Yes. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a Microsoft Office critic. Um, I'm one of the people I, I, I have reviewed it a number of times, and I, I have to admit to getting on probably rather better with Microsoft Office than a lot of other Mac users mm. because I've used it since forever. Yeah. Uh, and there are there are differences between iWork and Office. I think they are targeted at different audiences. Yeah. Um, there's no question that if you are a home user or a small office user, that iWork really is the application to use. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're working in an environment where you need to collaborate, oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you need uh, you need to be using say software as everybody else. I would agree. Yes. It, uh, uh, yes, basically, yeah. I mean, Office, you know what you produce is something someone on a Windows machine will be able to read. That's right. But but even there, I mean, I, I, mean, I have to use Office all the time for work um, because, you know, in, in, in my business, it's all about producing documents that look to a standard and all our templates are in, in Microsoft Word. But, uh, you know, any time, for instance, I have to do spreadsheet work that's presented in a report to a client, I will always do it in numbers and then um, paste that in as a as a PDF graphic or something like that into the Word yes. document. And every time I do that, people go, wow, this looks great. It's really easy to see. What program, you know, how did you get Excel to do this? And they have to go, oh, well, you know, there's, there's a secret. So, okay, well, I think, I think iWork is a worthy, a worthy pick for your, for your first piece of software. Now, now looking at your, uh, at your website, Neil, I, I see that you, um, you have a, a, a lot of experience with fish. Would you, like, <laughs> would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Um, uh, yes, I, I, I probably two thirds of my writing. I, I make a living as a writer. About two thirds of my writing 
is for the tropical fish press, for want of another another word. Right. Um, there are magazines I write for in the UK, but also in the States and in Australia. Um, and yeah, I, I, I fell into this. I, I did my undergraduate degree was in zoology, and then I did a PhD in essentially geology. Um, but I didn't have I didn't have the temperament to be a scientist. Mm -hmm. um, to be a successful scientist, you have to be very dedicated and willing to spend really seven days a week in the lab or wherever it is that you yes. do your work in the field. And I am not one of those people. Right. Uh, so I had to sort of fall back to plan B and then C and then D. And <laughs> right at the bottom of my list of plans, as it turned out, was whilst I'd been at university, I was looking after the big tropical fish tanks in the zoology department right. where they had a variety of marine fish and what have you. And uh, it, it, uh, being able to string a sentence together and to say a little bit with a reasonable sort of basis of science for these things t has turned out thus far, he says, touching wood to be marketable up to a point. Yeah. Um, so yes, I do. I dabble with fish and I do get, uh, to travel around and, and, and talk to people about them. And, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Is, is tropical fish, is, is that something that's, that's, uh, you know, is, is that quite a niche market in the UK or is that something that's actually quite, uh, you know, quite a big interest in a lot of people? Um, you, you, well, the numbers involved and the amount of money involved is, are, are substantial. Right. Um, I mean, there are, I don't know what the numbers are for people who keep fish, but it's going to be, it's going to be comparable to the people who have cats and dogs, yeah. but the amount of money that's spent on, on especially these big marine tanks and things, um, run, runs into the thousands of pounds. Right. Okay. Uh, people really do spend a lot of money on these things. I don't necessarily write about marine fish. I have to say, right. up front, so I'm not the person to ask about sick corals. Or right. <laughs> I see. Um, which is lovely. Yeah. And and so do you keep you keep a big tank yourself? Uh, I have one sort of medium-sized tank and two small tanks and a little tiny pond in the garden with sticklebacks. Right. Uh, I think if people came to visit my house, and, such as it is, and, uh, and actually saw my fish tanks, they'd sort of look at them and go, and you're an expert in these <laughs> things? There's a total absence of sharks or anything dramatic like that that might make me look like an expert. Well, I, I, I think, I think, um, I mean, obviously on a desert island, your, uh, your fish experience will be useful in, in, in terms of, uh, making sure you didn't eat, you catch and eat something that wasn't any good for you. Uh, is Which there? Is <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of a lot of fish are horribly poisonous. Yes, I, I can imagine. I can imagine so. I mean, obviously, the uh, the one of the mo the more famous Mac applications was the uh, was the screensavers, which turned your Mac into an aquarium. Um, oh yes. Would would something like that be on your uh, on your must have list on the desert island? I have to say no. No, um, I'm not a fan of the screensaver. Right, I see. Uh, I mean, I know they're a bit like sort of interesting ringtones people have for their mobile telephones. That whole thing passed me by, I'm afraid. I see. I see. Okay. Well, what would your second software pick then? My second application, my time-wasting application, without any doubt at all, would be the computer game called Diablo or Diablo ah, 2. Anyway. Yes. Um, One of my favorites. I, well, it's it, – yes. I think uh, – I keep sort of bumping into people, and if I confess to this the way I confessed having a – a great fondness for maraschino cherries, their eyes light up and they go, you as well. Yes. So I have this feeling that Diablo or Diablo 2, whichever one people go for, it's sort of the computing equivalent of crack cocaine or something. <laughs> it's horribly addictive. It is, yes. 
Yes, I, 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 I very much share, share a love of that game. I, I love that type of game, but I think Diablo 2 in particular with the, with the expansion packs is probably one of the, one of the finest ever examples of that particular sort of hack and slash collects loads of objects and, and, you know, uh, build up your magical powers type, uh, type experiences. And, and, and of course Diablo 3 is on the way. Um, you know, relatively imminently from, from yeah. Blizzard, which is, is very exciting. I just only hope that uh, it doesn't need an, an Uber Mac in order to be able to run it with all that uh, graphical eye candy. Well, historically, I think one of the, one of the things that I have liked about Diablo is whilst it really shines if you have a high end machine that will let you do the 3D graphics and, and what have you, if you turn the settings down, it's remarkably playable even on quite a low end machine. Yes, yes. Um, and that held true even for the original game too, which I remember playing on a, uh, a PowerBook 3400, which didn't have a graphics accelerator really at all. Right. Okay. And I suppose, I suppose being cast away, you, you would actually have the, the time to really, uh, put the hours in and, and po- possibly get to the end of the game, which is something I never managed on either Diablo or Diablo 2. Oh dear, oh dear. Again, we'll have to talk. I've done this many, many times. <laughs> right. Except with an Amazon. For some reason, the Amazon, the, the lady with the arrows and the spears, I've never managed to figure out how to use her properly. Oh. Perhaps I should phrase that slightly differently. <laughs> but with all the other characters, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. such a ridiculous time-wasting game. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> So, um, you've mentioned, you've mentioned that you're, uh, that you, you know, you're writing in, in terms of fish and, and, you know, that you, you live off your writing career. When, how did you come to be associated with MyMac? Um, I had been writing for another Mac website, um, Apple Lust, which is, which has been around for quite a while. I mean, it's at the moment, it's sort of in a, 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 a sort of regurgitating itself into a sort of Apple last version two. So I, the listeners will not really be able to log on and see what it was all about as far as I know. But it's been, it, had, it had historically been around for a while. And I've been reviewing, as it happens, astronomy software for them. Right. Amongst other things. One of my hobbies um, is amateur astronomy. I have a couple of telescopes and on those rare occasions, once every six or seven months, when the clouds clear in England, um, <laughs> it's quite nice to go outside and have a look at the, the moon or, or Jupiter or whatever's up. Yeah. Um, and you would be surprised how much software there is to help you do various things um, in this particular hobby. Right, right. I see. Uh, in fact, I'm sure one of the things which you and probably most other Mac users will have figured out is just how much great shareware and freeware there is out there. Yes, it's if you know where to look for it. One of the strengths of the platform, I think, is that the, uh, you know, the, the shareware that, that is available is often of extremely high quality, whereas on the Windows side, you, there's a lot of shareware available, but a lot of it is quite, it's quite poor, I found. And with the Windows stuff, you can't always be sure it's completely safe. Yes. Uh, you really all, you have really no idea, you have to take it on trust that what you're getting is not going to turn your, your PC into a zombie or some such. Whereas, uh, which is, you know, a problem with sort of knick-knack, you know, taskbar additives and screensavers and things. Yeah. But on the Mac, you can get a lot of really good stuff. And because of the way the Mac is put together, you can take a flutter without really worrying too much about screwing the whole thing up. Absolutely. So you were writing for Apple last. So how did that, how did that link you up with my Mac? Tim got in touch with me, the publisher of my Mac, yeah. who we've already spoken with, got in touch with me and, uh, asked if I wanted to put together a, a PDF book, essentially, 
on buying used Macs. I'd written one or two articles about old computers or something that had caught his eye. Um, and it really went on from there. It, it, the, the book is still available, such as these. It's a bit dated now, but it was really, it's really a look back at the last 20 years worth of Macs or whenever it was that I'd written the thing. So it's probably more of value as a sort of historical perspective now than anything else. Yeah. Um, but since that, since, since that time, off and on, I've been writing for, for my Mac almost entirely in terms of Mac websites. Um, I do write a little bit for tidbits and I write for Mac world and Mac format. But in terms of websites, it's really my Mac now that gets most of my stuff. Excellent. And, uh, long may that continue. So, so, um, I, that brings me on to your third software pick. Would that be something astronomy related, bearing in mind what you were just talking about or something else? Uh, I don't know. You have to, I have to ask, do we get iTunes already? Uh, yes. I think anything that would come as standard with, with a, um, say a MacBook Pro would, would be there and, and iTunes is, is normally included in, the, with the machine. So, uh, so I think you can assume that that would be there already. Very good. Then the other tool that I would probably want to have is a web design program called Freeway Pro. Right. Okay. Not familiar with that one. It's, uh, it's, produced in the uk which is relatively unusual for big sort of commercial applications yeah um it is a the closest the best way to describe it is it's quark express for web pages right it is html editor um and i've just been using it for the best part of today i have a uh, it's one of those sorts of um, relationships with Freeway, which with, I think probably most of us do have with various applications. Once in a while, it's one that makes us pull our hair out. Yeah. Because the way it works or because it crashes or whatever the heck. But it, uh, it, uh, most of the time, I find it so useful for putting together web pages painlessly and, and meeting standards, which is, you know, really quite difficult to achieve with a lot of WYSIWYG web design software yeah um anybody who's i mean i'm sure you've done the same thing probably a lot of people do they ever go to a website and they find that it either crashes their browser or it looks like rubbish you look to you view the source and you see it's put together on like microsoft homepage or something that's right yes just know that a bad web page is going to be put together by something from microsoft yeah um it's it's you can just smell badly designed web pages Right. Okay. Well, I, I think that um, that's that's certainly good advice. Uh, to, you know, to point that out, and uh, and certainly like having just having a quick look at the website now, and this looks like is uh, an extremely comprehensive piece of software. I mean, I, I one of the things I love programs like this because one of the things I find very difficult is um, you know the the mentally trying to work in html and and uh, then convert that into you know mentally into something in to try and give you an idea of how a page will look to be able to sort of lay it out as a on a page to design perspective and then have the program turn out good html code that will work really is a really is a a massive boon i think to anybody who's into uh, any form of web design Oh, absolutely. I mean, which is not to criticize people who hand code. I mean, I have the greatest respect for people to decode these things by hand. I think it's a brilliant skill. I'm just not one of those people. No. Uh, I have used Dreamweaver in the past and then, but I found it, it is a very powerful tool, but it's not a very, it's not an easy tool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and Freeway, I just find 
if you've if for any Mac user that's been brought up on Quark or a paid or InDesign or any of this sort of thing, we'll take to it like a duck to water because the metaphor very very similar. Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, you, you mentioned iTunes a couple of minutes back. Uh, are you an iPod user? And uh, were you excited by the announcements that, that were made yesterday by Apple regarding the, the new iPods? Um, I am an iPod user. I have I have at least two around the house. One of them broken. Um, but yeah, when I looked at the, I looked. I thought they were very cute, very sexy. Um, I, I mean, I, I have a sixty gigabyte classic. Whatever right. they call the, the old-fashioned style, yeah, um, that doesn't play video, but it just has a lot of capacity. And so, I'm not ready to upgrade in inverted commas to something that only has eight gigabytes. Right, I can understand that. Um, or sixteen gigabytes. Although I see the advantages to having, you know, a solid-state machine with which comes in bright colours. I can, <laughs> I mean, they look, they look lovely. Yeah, I, I must admit. I mean, I I had I had an eighty gig um, iPod five and a half G uh, for a while. Um, that played video, but it, you know you did have that large hard drive, and it, it, there is something to be said for being able to put your entire collection on um, onto a, a hard disk. And well, I, I, I've currently got an iPhone and a Nano, and I'm constantly juggling to try and I watch a lot of video on mine, and constantly juggling to try, to try and fit that video on. I think if you, if you're into video in a, in a big way and you want to have a, a, a you know a large amount of choice, then certainly the uh, the new 120 gig classic, which is the only one that's left in the original iPod range now is probably you know a, a machine that, that people might want to go for. Absolutely. I mean, if you have a look at these things, and what's well, about a gig? You need about a gigabyte per hour of, of, of video, don't you? That's right. Yeah. So you know, if you're looking to stock up your iPod for a flight to Australia or a flight, you know, flights to the US and back or wherever, eight gigabytes is really going to it's not really going to cut the mustard. No. You are looking at something a bit bigger than that. That's right. You you end up uh, taking a laptop along so that you can actually change the content on the iPod, which uh, if you think about it, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, uh, on your car, on your car, as your castaway on the desert island, you, you get to take a, a luxury with you. It could be a Mac accessory or something else. Would there be something, um, you know, a piece of hardware or, or something physical as well as the software that you would, you would really want to pass the time with? This is a tough one. Um, I would have to choose. I, I would probably want to have a digital camera. Right. Okay. Um, for the obvious reasons of photographing the wildlife and the, the crabs crawling up the beach to yeah. scuttle about whatever it is that they do on tropical islands. But I also couldn't live without a mouse. Right. Um, I find trackpad. I would. My Mac would have to be a portable. I have a. I have never purchased a desktop Mac. Right. Uh, ever since I began using Macs, I've always gone for the portables. But I have to have a mouse with them. Right. So I, 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 I'm going to hope the mouse is thrown in a standard and pick a, a digital camera. Plus, of course, whatever's the little thing I need to connect it up, download the photographs, if I'm allowed that in. I, I think that's, a, that's a, a worthy choice to complement the Mac. Photos is one of the things the Mac does very well. Is there a particular type of camera you would, you would bring along? Are you a compact or a digital SLR or uh, what, what sort of camera do you favour? Um, I, 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 I have, I don't really I don't really favor any. I've used lots of different cameras and good, you know, you get if you have some skill and the right lighting, the right composition, you can get a good good, good photo with really anything. Right. Okay. Uh, doesn't really matter very much. Worth bearing in mind. 
Okay, well, thank you very much for your time, Neil. It's been very interesting hearing about um, hearing about your background and your interests, and um, quite a, a, a nice selection of of things to take along with you to the desert island. So, um, thanks very much for your time. It's been my pleasure, David. Look forward to seeing your writing up on my Mac Magazine's website. Okay, so I'm here with Rich Lefko, one of our, another one of our writers at, at My Mac Magazine. How are you doing tonight, Rich? I'm doing just great. How are you doing, David? I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, so it's very nice to be speaking to you and to be considering you as a castaway on our desert island. Um, we'll get to your selections in in a, in a moment or two, but let's let's talk a little bit about you. Where 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 is it you're based? I'm based in Peterborough, New Hampshire. And um, and where where is uh, I'm obviously being English. I'm not overly familiar with the geography of the state so that's the kind of the northeast corner of the states isn't it yeah we're in new england and uh, uh peterborough is situated in the heart of the monadnock mountain range in wow. south central new hampshire so is that that's fairly rural i take it oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. i can't even get uh i can't even get cable where i live <laughs> right okay and, and do you live in a, in a town or are you kind of out of town out on your own Actually, I live about uh, about a mile or so out of town. I have a few acres of land, and it's all, it's mostly woods. Fantastic. And and you've seen my postings on uh, on the blog up there with uh, some pictures from around here. Yeah, they certainly are. Yeah, they certainly are uh, pretty pretty beautiful and much more picturesque than than where I live. Though uh, now I'm thinking New Hampshire. You, there is a Manchester in New Hampshire, isn't there? There sure is, yeah. Manchester is the uh, yeah Concord's the capital, but the biggest city they call it the Queen City is Manchester. Right, and how far are you from there? I'm about uh, it's about uh, forty minutes from to Manchester. Oh, so actually, you're you're nearly as close to your Manchester as I am to mine, which is uh, talk about serendipity. How about that? Huh? Yeah, yeah. That's okay. pretty amazing. Yeah. So. Um, Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what you do, what you're interested in, what the sort of things you like to pass the time with, apart from Mac, of course. Well, I'm a, a let's see, I'm into quite a few things, actually. I I, uh, I do some woodworking because uh, uh, I like to make things with my hands, but I'm also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nut about the weather. The weather is, uh, it's been a hobby with me since I've been a kid. Wow. Well, I, I can, being an Englishman, I can identify with that. We're famous for always talking about the weather. Yeah, but nobody can do anything about it, right? It's that old <laughs> saw. Right? That's right. Yeah. So I uh, I grew up uh, on Long Island, and uh, so I'm originally from New York. Right. And and uh, I came to uh, New Hampshire via California. So uh, interesting difference between living in California and living in New Hampshire. I'm uh, sure. You know, uh, uh, but I find you know New England is just a, it's a great place to live. It's uh, especially weather wise. It's so it's so active. That it's uh, it certainly makes life challenging at times. That's for sure. Uh, I can imagine so. So, are, are any of your picks for your Castaway Island uh, weather related? I, I I would say all of them are. Right. Okay. Well, let's let's hear the first one. What, what would be the the first weather related Mac pick that you'd like to have with you? Well, there's a, there's a program that I use. It's called I don't know how you would pronounce it. It's called WX. Right. And uh, it's a uh, it's kind of a full service. Uh, interface panel that allows you to uh, program, you know, different towns and cities that you want to watch. And it's just a wonderful tool. It's uh, I'll send you links for the site, David, because That'd it's be not, yeah. it, it's not, the, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was developed by a fellow named uh, Craig Hunter. He's a doctor 
Craig Hunter with, uh, and he works, uh, believe me, he works for NASA. He's an engineer. Wow. And, uh, I've actually had conversations with him, you know, online, you know, back and forth, you know, email. He's very, uh, very active in, uh, developing his software at WX. And this thing is just great. It has a radar console. You can enter in, uh, different towns and it'll pull up all kinds of weather data based on, uh, your town. It'll tell you alerts, warnings. You know, you can set up windows. You can do add-ons with it. I love this program and it's got this great, radar uh screen where you can click on it and it'll come up with and it'll update the, the your local radar loop every five minutes or you know how often you want to update it it's just it's just a wonderful tool because it's it kind of it gets everything together for you, you know? right it right. sounds really interesting yeah i use it a lot and yeah, uh yeah. it's just a great program so that would be the that would be my first pick Sounds sounds like a good one to get started with. So so when when did you first discover you were interested in the weather? Oh geez, you know, growing up on Long Island, you know, it's uh, uh, either you were trying to, you know, uh, so close to New York City, either you were trying to survive uh, and stay out of the bad neighborhoods, or yeah, yeah. You were, or you were fighting the weather and the traffic. Wow. So uh, there's a highway on uh, that goes down the center of Long Island called uh, the Long Island Expressway. Yeah, and and we used to call it the Long Island Distress Way <laughs> because it was so tough because it was always packed with traffic no matter which way you went. So knowing whether or not it was going to rain or going to snow uh, uh, was really important because let me tell you, down in New York, right, you have an inch of snow and it's a disaster. Well, yeah, it's like it's like that here in England. Actually, we don't we don't cope well with with what we consider to be extreme weather. And so as soon as, uh, as soon as we get any snow, the entire country literally grinds to a halt. So I can sympathize with that. So, and, and up here you can have, you know, 15, 18, 20 inches of snow and, uh, you know, it's a little bit of an inconvenience, but everybody deals with it and, and moves on. But, uh, in New York, it's, you know, you, on a regular day, you've got people, you know, doing, you know, 40, 50, 60 miles an hour on, on the expressway and they're within, you know, three feet of each other, you know? Yeah. So, 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 I kind of got into it as a kid because uh, uh, a lot of hurricanes would come up the east coast of the, of the United States and cross over the island. So, you know, it just, you know, I'm just fascinated by the fact that it's, it's, there's this thing out there that nobody can really predict real well. And, and, and I'm fascinated about, about the different kinds of weather phenomena, tornadoes, hurricanes, you know. Yeah. Did you ever consider it as a career? Yes, actually, I did. Uh, uh, when I was when I moved to San Diego and I was living there for a while, I started taking some classes, uh, some college classes in meteorology, and uh, and then I had to go earn a living because I needed to eat. Right. So, so, uh, so by trade, I'm a uh, I'm a global uh, trade compliance professional, but uh, the weather thing is always, you know, I, I've always wished that I could get back to school and and, and actually finish. You know, and 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 and, w and go in that direction. Always wish I had. Wow, wow! Well, it's really great to have a have a passion like that, and um, you know that's uh, that's really interesting. So, what's your what's your second pick? That's uh, that's also sort of on the same theme. Well, there's a, a a program by a company called Gaucho Software, and it's called Seasonality. Mm -hmm. And uh, Seasonality is similar to WX. Uh, but it gives you more uh, more charts and graphs, and it kind of buries everything all on one screen for you. 
Whereas Weather X has different screens that you can you can pull through. The thing I like about seasonality is it has a, a radar screen. The the uh, let's see the Weather X radar screen is a loop. You know, it's it's moving. It's an animation. Right. And the seasonality one is static. So yeah. and you can set the opacity on it so you can you know see below the clouds. Right. And, and kind of get an idea of you know you know, really how overcast it is on an area. And I like to clip those out and put them on my website. Excellent. So, so it's a good tool, uh, seasonality. It also has kind of a, uh, it has a journal option where you can open up a weather journal and you can keep information in there, you know, uh, if you're into that kind of thing. So, so you can use it kind of like as a logging tool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So now you mentioned your website there and I, and I really wanted to, to mention this to the listeners, richleftco.com. And obviously there'll be a link in the, in the show notes for that as well. Now you've really turned that into kind of all, almost like a New England almanac for the weather, haven't you? Well, yeah. Well, it, it didn't turn out, you know, it started out with a couple of people, uh, uh, at work saying, Hey, Rich, you know what's going on this weekend with the weather? You know, <laughs> you're always watching that. And I would say, yeah, you know, and they'd say, hey, could you send me an email and let me know? So it was two people, then it was four people, right? Now it's 300 people. Wow. So, and, uh, so then I had taken some web programming courses for, uh, actually for my job and I decided, hey, you know, I could probably do something with the weather with that. So I started, uh, I put up a site. I really didn't think anybody was going to visit it. And, uh, just this past weekend, we, we broke our 60,000th visitor. Wow. So, so it kind of took off for me and, uh, uh, it, it's been fun because I have people who send me emails saying, you, you know, uh, thank you for saving my kid's birthday party or should we have the wedding this weekend outside? Really? Or I've gotten emails from people saying, look, you saved my life because I didn't go to this place and they had this blinding snowstorm on. I would have never made it back. And so it's, it's just been a lot of fun. Yeah. So how do you decide, decide how big an area you cover with something like that? I mean, and then what's the process for actually keeping up to date? Is, are people emailing you with information or readings or are you using the stuff and the programs you've mentioned already that are available to try and compile a picture of what the weather's going to be like? Well, here in the States, you, uh, you know, everything is really, uh, all, most of the data comes out of the National Weather Service, which is a government agency. And, uh, you can, uh, you can become a Skywarn weather spotter with the with the National Weather Service, which is what I am. Yeah. You take a couple of classes and uh, they give you a number and they give you a one eight hundred number and you you know, when uh weather is coming into your area, they activate you via email and you call in and you say, you know, I've got trees down or, you know, there's fourteen feet of snow here and, you know, that kind of thing. So I have access directly to the National Weather Service. So I can actually call these guys and talk with them. Right. So, and I've also spoken and actually had dinner with a couple of the local, uh, TV weathercasters. Yeah. And, uh, so, so it's, you know, it's all these different, uh, uh, places where you can grab the different pieces of information. And I, and I kind of put that on my site where I'm more localized because weather, weather's weird here in New England. Uh, on the coast, uh, in Boston, it could be raining like the Dickens. And here, I mean, we're about, what are we, about, uh, 70 miles from Boston here. Uh, up in the southern part of New Hampshire, it could be snowing like all get out. So yeah, so yeah, I've I've found the because uh, because while, while I'm not in a mountainous area, I live in next to the Pennine Hills, which run down the middle of of England, uh, and I'm actually working at the moment in um, in Yorkshire, just across the the border of the Pennines from 
Manchester. So I, I'm driving up there most days, and it's it's fascinating actually how different. It's only about uh, 25 miles, but because there's a, a you know a, a range of hills in the way, the Pennines are, are fairly tall. They're not 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 by American standards, but by English standards, they're you know they're probably about uh, 1,100 feet, something like that. Uh, and so traveling over those and then going to a town on the other side, how different the weather is there, purely because you've got this massive you know, a line of rock in the way, which is, right. is influencing the weather really is quite, quite interesting for me, you know. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what my site focuses on is that it's more localized because yeah. mo- you, all the big TV stations and everything are in Boston. So they're on TV saying, Oh, it's raining down here. You know, it's raining. Then I'll look out, but all you have to do is go, you know, 20 miles inland and it's snowing. Yeah. You know, so, uh, uh, and a lot of people just look at those Boston TV stations and say, Oh, it's raining out. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your final pick? What's your final software pick for your uh, your uh, castaway experience? Well, there's a uh, there's a program called uh, uh, WeatherGlow 3D, and it's by Software Machia. Uh, they just came out with a version two, so I haven't had a whole, a whole lot of time to play with it, but it has some uh, really interesting features. It, it I think graphically, it's got to be the the most appealing of of all three uh, because it has a, a representation of the globe. And it kind of spins very slowly, and you can uh, you can you know click on the cloud cover. You can show country boundaries. You can you can uh, click on day or night, and it'll show uh, where the Earth, where it's daytime, where it's nighttime. And you can zoom in too uh, to uh, places. You know, or you can zoom right down almost to ground level with this thing. Yeah, and uh, it's got a cool function where you can record a video with it. And so you can get down and you can record the cloud loops in some areas. So again, it's, it's, uh, it's a brand new version of the software. It's done by the same people that put out the print shop program. Right, so right. it's, it's, so it's very professional and, uh, it's got all kinds of bells and whistles that I haven't discovered yet. It also has this, uh, the ability you can, you can, uh, uh you know, you can show in, uh, capitals, country capitals, yeah. uh, territories, you know, all kinds of stuff. So. And, and also has a screensaver built in, so you can turn it on as a screensaver, and you got this beautiful spinning edge of the globe as you come back to your computer. So wow. it's pretty cool. So, so is this pulling? It's pulling information off the internet and, and then rendering it in real time, effectively as three D graphics. But it's it's actual real live weather information. Yeah, it is because uh, part of the uh, purchase is a subscription to uh, some weather service that uh, they get the data from. I believe on an annual basis, you got to pay a couple of bucks to sign back up for it again. Right. Uh, I haven't. I had the version one, but I don't recall having to renew it. I think they came out with version two beforehand. So, right. what the heck? You get it with the uh, with the update with the upgrade. So it's pretty cool, though. So I I would recommend that. So it's interesting. I mean, and obviously, you know, there are three pretty good weather programs here for the Mac. I mean, was is that one of the things that drew you to the Mac is the fact that weather weather software support is kind of more of a Mac thing than a Windows thing, or was it was it something else? No, I had been uh, working in a in a high tech company, and uh, you know, as usual, most of the you know the industry has PCs, right? Yeah. And I had I had a PC, but in one area, in this engineering area, they had a Mac. Uh, sitting down in that engineering area. And I was using it to create charts and graphs because the PC just stunk at that. So uh, I, I, I began using that. That was back in the, uh, in the late 80s. I began using that, and I got I got hooked on the Mac. I just loved the interface. It was so intuitive. Yeah. 
And the Windows world was so, you know, even though that was all I had known, I, I immediately, uh, the Mac, you know, was like the cream coming to the top and saying, this is so much better. And, uh, eventually I bought my first Mac and, uh, and I just got hooked on the Macs. So, wow. and now and my company now gives me a laptop. I have a PC laptop, piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's a Dell and, uh, I mean, you know, it does the job, but I, you know, there's no joy in using it. No, you know? no, that's, uh, I'm the same. When I get home, I love turning on my Mac and, uh, and using it, you know, I mean, Obviously, not just for the weather programs. I mean, I love the whole iLife suite and Safari and, you know, all that yeah. stuff. Uh, and I use it all. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the PC world, I just find that so horribly counterintuitive that, uh, so that's how I get hooked on the Macs. Great, great. So on the, on the desert island, you get a, a luxury item, an accessory for your Mac as well as a physical accessory as well as software. So what would you like to uh, to have with you? Would it, again, would it be something related to the weather or would it be something else? Well, uh, you know, unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot uh, out there weather-wise that connects up to the Mac. There is a, a weather station that I have at my house here Yeah, uh, uh, that I can hook up to my Mac at the moment. But uh, I'm not sure that that'll be the case as uh, if I move to an Intel Mac. In any event uh, – you know, I'm into video too. I love video and I love the Mac gives me such a, a great outlet to be able to, uh, uh, pull in my home videos and cut DVDs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, so for me, I, I don't have one, but I wouldn't mind one of those, you know, turbo, uh, H2, you know, the, uh, the compression, uh, pieces of hardware so you can compress video. Uh, the turbo, turbo.264 from, yeah, uh, that Elgato. one. Yeah. 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 That, so, yeah. If you if you don't have an Intel Mac, that is a fantastic piece of hardware. Yeah. So so that would be something that I would like to have since you know I, I'm assuming on this island I would have you know the you know something non Intel. So right. I, I I tend to think that way because I have a G5 here. So though yeah. I have a MacBook. Right. So. Okay. Well, well, I I think we could probably. If, if, you know, if we, if you're going to be washed up with a, with a Mac, I guess, I guess we could push to an Intel Mac. I'm sure we could arrange that. <laughs> um, but, but nevertheless, I mean, even so, the Turbidot 264 is, is a fantastic, um, accessory. You know, it really does, um, really does make, make, um, rendering video for, uh, for the Mac or for, for your iPod very easy. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a simple drag and drop process and you don't have to sort of fiddle with settings. And that's, that's certainly one thing I, I enjoy about it is that it's, uh, it's pretty foolproof. You literally just drop it on there and hit the button and then it comes out the other side very, very quickly. So, uh, that would be a worthwhile accessory to have. Um, and you would, um, have plenty of time when you were on your desert island to, uh, render video and, and see what the weather's doing. And, and I guess you probably, be best place as a castaway to actually monitor the weather and know when those storms are coming in and go retire to your cave to sit it out. So that'd be great for you. There you go for typhoons or other tropical anomalies. Absolutely. Well, Rich, thanks very much for, uh, for being our castaway this time. It's been tremendously enjoyable talking to you and really interesting. And I think um, some picks there that, that probably some of our listeners might never have thought of. So uh, thank you very much for that. And um, we'll look forward to, uh, to seeing you on the MyMac magazine site. Thanks, David. A lot of fun. Thanks for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast at our RSS feed at MyMac.com or by visiting the iTunes Music Store's podcast section. 
Please send all feedback to mymacpodcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the mymac.com podcast.